This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome to the show. Sandy and Sean. I'm Sean Drotar. Sandy Clough on my left. A lot to talk about today. Obviously, we have the uh, Avs in action in just about an hour, continuing their uh, now record road winning streak. They'll take on the Penguins in Pittsburgh. We'll talk about that. We can also talk about uh, the Nuggets, who will get underway again. They get they the shortest offseason, of course, but they get a decent break between game one and game two. They'll get underway on Friday tomorrow but it will start with the broncos sandy because the broncos sort of have what feels like two things at once one probably an impossible task in stopping the chiefs from beating them 17 for the 17th straight time although i guess for sean payton uh the second straight time since prior to sean payton doesn't count for anything history does not exist right so uh second straight time but uh for the rest of you broncos fans of which history most certainly does exist That would be 17 straight coming up on Sunday. Yet the Broncos have sort of acted like this game is a wait and see before they look at at trades and things like that, knowing that the trade deadline is only a couple days after the game. Certainly that's just got to be playing the game, right? Well, they know full well that even if they were to somehow win this game because the I don't know, Patrick Mahomes slips and falls on the way into the stadium and Travis Kelsey, I don't know, gets mono from Taylor Swift and they all miss the game. And I don't Or the 10 inches of snow on the field. Yeah, and it evens it out. I have no idea. But, I mean, unless literally, and not one of those things, all of those things, like literally all of those things would have to happen, then maybe the Broncos could stand a chance at beating the Chiefs. They're going to lose this game. They're going to go to 2-6. and six. Uh, we know the the playoffs are already gone, and then I guess you can just start looking towards the second half with a bye week in front of you. But uh, are you surprised they weren't a little more aggressive? And all, most of the tone well, from I, I don't know Trump how was sort of like no, we, you know, how we're, you we're can going be okay. aggressive when you have certain players, particularly on defense, who I suppose are untouchable, if not untradeable. They're just untouchable. They're too good to trade. Uh, you'll never get back equal value. Uh, certainly not right now, dealing from a position of weakness. Right. Uh, you'll never get equal value for Sutan and or Simmons. And there's nothing else to trade that would bring anything Not will bring back anything of significance. No. So I, I don't know how aggressive or passive they've in fact, been their party line is that they only accept phone calls. They never initiate phone calls on trades because mm-hmm. that would mean actually doing your job. And of course, they're lying about that. Of course, and they were lying about it last spring. And they are a lying organization now. You can't believe a word that uh, comes out of anybody's mouth over there these days. Um, uh, in spending some time yesterday with people who are uh, quite closely connected with uh, the organization and certainly the staff out at Dove Valley. Uh, it's, it's a remarkable mess. Uh, the staff despises ownership and despises is probably too weak a word. Um, all the arrogance in the world. And for the most part, I suppose a lot of the money in the world, uh, but no people skills, uh, no sense of 
what they don't know. You know, Dr. Perea's favorite phrase is, uh, uh, if you're successful, knowing what you don't know. Because even successful people don't know certain things. And Nobody they bring knows in everything. people who know what they don't know right. or can teach them what they don't know. These people think they know everything. Everything. And the one person well, who make does know something is within the ownership group, Condoleezza Rice. They won't empower her at all. And uh, the coach is equally despised by the staff over there. So you have a head coach who's making upwards of $18 million a year, uh, who, according to Seth Wickersham's piece back in August on ESPN.com, doesn't care that he is despised, knows he's despised, knew in August he was despised, and doesn't care. That's how he rolls. And so there's no one in the organization who has any real humility, and they think all their players are worth first-round draft picks. And I, <laughs> you're not living in the real world. But whatever world they're living in, I'm sure they're they're very comfortable, and they go to sleep at night. But it, it's it, it, these owners is just a toy to these people. And I'll tell you what, if they want a new stadium anytime in the next ten years. They got to pay a hundred percent of the freight. Well, they should, no matter what. Anyway, I mean, I think we're we're past the date. I think in which people no, should I mean, realistically 100%, 100%. ask for tax breaks or taxpayers to pay for part of these things. There's no need. Uh, the, the amount of money is available. Look, if, if Stan Kroenke could basically do the whole SoFi thing by himself, the Donors of the Broncos can make their own thing by themselves. Yeah, and, and I know the land, I know land prices in Colorado are nuts, but if you checked LA lately, no. uh, yeah. it, it can be done. I, I think they're past that, and at that point, I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's all your money. Knock yourself out. Do whatever you'd like. Remember back in the day <laughs> when uh, Stan Kroenke, although he was the owner when the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup in 2001, yes, he was, was uh, looked upon with disfavor. Remember those days? Not that long ago, right? And now he has all kinds of championships to his name in various But sports. you know what? It took a while. It, it did, took a while. But for all the talk about how Stan Kroenke didn't care that he and Josh, with respect to the Nuggets, thought they knew more than they actually did, I haven't agreed over the years with every decision they've made, but they've got a pretty good product right now. Uh, yes, I wish yeah. we could watch the games on a regular basis. Absolutely, I do, and I think it's ridiculous that we can't. However, primarily, their job is to put the best product on the ice, on the court, on the field, as they possibly can, and they've done that. And the gap between the way the Nuggets and Avalanche are operated under Stan Kroenke's umbrella is 
night and day different from the way the Broncos and the Rockies are operated in a very similar way. It isn't a matter, although Dick Monfort is, in relation to other owners, not particularly rich. He's rich enough, and the Rockies make money hand over foot. The, Ro- the Rockies' year uh, after payroll year after isn't year. even on the low right. side. It's on it the isn't. higher than average it's, side. Well, they just don't use higher, it correctly. Slightly higher, but still higher than average. Right. And the Broncos um, are involved in a, in a sport where, yes, it's nice to have money, but it doesn't help you build a championship contending team. You have to have some intelligence and, yes, some humility in order to do that. And some of the suggestions we've uh, offered uh, that I'm sure they very much appreciate. If they heard it all. They, they'll, they'll never do any of these things. So, uh, yes, we can talk about them uh, here. And I, I think that while there's never any guarantee, um, some, if not all of the moves we've suggested they make, would help the situation. Certainly wouldn't make it any worse. Yeah, hard to make but it much they worse. They don't know what they don't know. Right. And I agree with that. They're they're convinced that if other teams don't offer them the sun, the moon, and the stars for any of their players, then they'll just stand pat. And what do they care what the fans? And this think? is where the overlap with the Rockies kind of occurs, right? There's some similarity there. There is a consistent lack of understanding. I'll, here, I'll give you the very simple one. So when back when I was up at D Boulder, you know, you working jobs, right? Uh, I worked at a sports card store on the Pearl Street Mall. Which is where I could, you know, work after school. And uh that was the 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 market was just starting to be like a big thing for collectors. And people would come in, they're like, oh well, you know, th- th- I got this whatever baseball card or this football card. And, this this magazine or whatever says it's worth a this much money. Will you give me this much money? And the answer is no. We'll, we'll give you like a third of that because you know we're going to resell it or whatever. But no. So, but the magazine said it's worth this. I'm like, well, you know, here's the hard lesson: things are worth what people are willing to pay for them. <laughs> That's what it really is. And and the the Rockies have this same issue. They overvalue their own talent. Absolutely. They get confused as to why they don't get the deals they want. And then they get twice as confused when those guys just walk. <laughs> and then they all, but the problem is with the Rockies and the Broncos have now done this too, even with this ownership, they do it going and coming. Nobody was bidding what the Rockies were bidding for Chris Bryant. In fact, reportedly, no one was with even within about 50 to 60 million exactly. on the deal. The Rockies but just decided this is what Chris Bryant's worth. We're offering it. We're getting him, to which Bryant must have chuckled. I'm like, oh, okay. My expectations are what? Oh, zero for the rest of my career? Sure, I'm in. The Broncos spent the most money in free agency. They did. On a player in Mike McGlinchey that the San Francisco 49ers are a Super Bowl contender. If they had thought was key to their run, they would have found a way to keep him. By the way, have you checked the Ravens lately? (laughs) They're pretty good. They look pretty good, too. They let Ben Powers walk. The Broncos were more than happy to blow the market away to make sure they got both of those two guys. So they overvalue the talent they have, but they're also overvaluing their ability to obtain the talent. And some of that lands on Sean Payton. There is some of that, and that is what lands directly on Sean Payton. The last part of what you said, you're absolutely right about that. And 
listen, I'm, I'm exaggerating to make the point. The Broncos aren't literally demanding first-round picks for <laughs> anybody uh, with whom they are engaged in trade conversations, whether they're initiating or the other side is initiating. But you get the point. They want, this is what I'm fairly certain of, they want first day or second day draft picks for certainly virtually any of the players that get mentioned. Uh, you know, Jerry Judy is the current fashionable name that's out there. I mean, every uh, uh, speculative piece I read from people who are generally, I think, pretty knowledgeable yeah, pretty talk about then. five trades that should be made or 15 players who should be traded for various reasons uh, by contending clubs, middling clubs, losing clubs. Jerry Judy's name always comes up, and the Broncos often come up in three or four different trade scenarios. We know they're not going to make three or four trades because they think everyone who's mentioned in any of these scenarios is worth at least a second-day pick, if not multiple picks. First day, second day, depending on the player, they're not looking at fourth, fifth, sixth rounders. They're not, unless they're attached to other picks on the first day or the second day for anybody. They're looking for, if they can't get a first day pick for Judy, for example, Mm -hmm. they're looking for multiple second day picks or multiple second and third day picks. Nobody's going to give them that. They'll be lucky to get one third day pick. At this stage, that's true. I mean, like any one third day pick. This is uh, your program as well. Of course, we want to give you an opportunity to be involved. And then you can call or text at 303-831-1340. Danny Bailey, our uh, producer extraordinaire, is monitoring those. What have you got, Danny? This from Man of the People. Yeah. Is Penner in over his head? He seems a little naive. Well, he's he's new to football. Uh, Yes, and, and I think some of the problems anything. is look. He wants people, to get on ownership committees. People we who know that. are it, it happens anywhere, right? Anybody, it's the old, uh, it's in business. It was the Peter Drucker, the visionary about business, the Peter Principle. People are eventually promoted to their level of incompetence, or where eventually means you do so well, you get promoted, promoted, and then you stop doing so well because you finally reached a spot where you aren't actually good at that job. Now, it's a little bit different when you're fabulously wealthy, but since when you're fabulously wealthy, you can get involved in a whole bunch of things that otherwise you would not have been involved in because your money buys you a ticket into the door. This happens a lot. Look, there are a lot of people around the NFL who will say that Jerry Jones is still one of the more adept owners in the league. I'm not one of them. Jerry, well, it depends Jerry on what you mean by adept. In a business sense, yes. Well, yes. No, he's making money, and there's no right. question the Broncos' ownership is very skilled at making money. But a football side, uh, look, Jerry Jones last won a Super Bowl in 1995. Now I get it. Not every team's won Super Bowls. He has, and he was the owner at the time, so I'm not knocking it. But it's and been al- Jimmy Johnson wasn't the coach. And it's been almost 30 Barry years. Barry Switzer was. And he did have a bunch of Hall of Fame players, and we've seen in the past that it's the players that win more than the coaches, and it's definitely the coaches that win more than the owners. But Fine, I'll give that to Jerry Jones. But it's been almost 30 years. And if his money would have made a difference, he would have had something within the last 30 years. And he wouldn't have had his own son, apparently, reportedly, take a draft card out of his hand before he could try to 
get Paxton Lynch so. away from the Denver right. Broncos. So, so. And this is after decades of being the owner. That's right. So mm-hmm. anybody who is new to this and assumes that their business skill, which is at making money, just making money. Look, and I'm, I'm not discounting it. I'm not saying they didn't earn it. Um, Rob Walton is the son of one of the founders of Walmart. Uh, fortunately born into that. Uh, Greg Penner married into that. Cool. Stan Kroenke did too, although Stan Kroenke was actually very, very rich on his own beforehand. But when you you come into money, or even when you have a lot of money, and you figure, I'm really good at making money, that's cool. But here's the thing. If you owned the Denver Broncos, you'd be as good as making money because you can't lose money owning an NFL team. Bingo. It's not even possible. Bingo. The, it, is the not possible. The it is not possible. The money in the television contract as it exists right now just by itself means the means every NFL team could run with empty seats every game and still be profitable. I'm not joking. That's the math. So all of a sudden you jump into, well, I'm really good at making money. Well, great. Everyone here is good at making money because you can't fail. You and I can go make money. And there is there tends to be people who are very good at something or at whatever it is. They step into something new and they assume, well, I was good at that. I'll be good at this. It doesn't always work that way. It just doesn't. And some people adjust to that and they do the work to catch up. Some people don't. Some people just assume that eventually it'll just work because it's always worked for them in the past. We don't know what it'll be for the Broncos ownership. I think the latter describes the Cowboys and Jerry Jones pretty well. Yeah. You know, it's just always worked in the past for him. He'll just keep doing things his way. Right. Eventually, he'll yeah. win a Super Bowl because it always worked. Well, it doesn't. I, I think you look at Stan Kroenke and his ownership. You know what they did? They caught up. They did the work. We've talked about how the Avalanche and, and the Nuggets in particular have learned to build their rosters in the salary cap in a way where the numbers are appropriate. They're not all out of whack because they overspent this year in free agency or that way. And it, it makes a healthier locker room environment. These are the kind of things that have gotten them championships with the Avs, with the Nuggets, with the Rams. They're handling it a different way because they put in the work. We don't know what the Broncos will do yet with their ownership. It's too new. But the concern is that they have hired a coach that thinks the same way. Well, I want a Super Bowl. I know what I'm doing. I'm going to do it my way. Well, what if it's rubbing all your players the wrong way and everything else? Uh, Well, I know what I'm doing. We've probably all had coworkers or bosses like that, how many times were those people actually really successful for the long haul in your company? Ask yourselves that. And then equate that to Sean Payton and the current Broncos ownership and let me know how you think it'll work out. Talk more about this next. My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Welcome back. The Denver Broncos will take on the Kansas City Chiefs. They'll visit Denver this weekend, and there could be, uh, it's going to be chilly. 
can feel that in the air right now, but uh, it may also be snowing. That's something of an equalizer, but I think the difference <laughs> between the Broncos and the Chiefs are, are, is so vast that it's probably difficult to envision the team uh, winning anything. But it, it, it is an interesting discussion to have because after this Sunday's game, the Broncos will have about 48 hours to yes. get deals done. That's right. And they have to get something done. Well, the question is, so. at what point do you feel that they will come around to the understanding that there are there's one player who could definitely get them a first-round pick? There's one player who, depending on the contender and how strongly they feel they need him, may be a first-round pick, but likely second. And nobody else that can even get you a third. Do you think they'll come around to that? Or do you think they're so desperate to get those early picks, those day one picks, that they'll trade any of the uh I can't Pat say. Sertan or you know, Justin we, we have no history, really, with these people. Um, they've empowered Sean Payton, um, who you would think would not want to be fleeced, you know, would want something for any of these players he He's waited this long to, to deal. Right. Uh, I mean, we're not that far away from the deadline even this afternoon as nope. we speak. But honestly, I have no idea. Now, you, you can glean from what they've done that the Tennessee Titans have basically given up the ghost on this season. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, given the fact that I, I won't say they gave Bayard away, but they didn't necessarily get a lot for him. They got what they could get. They know they're not going anywhere. Their their quarterback is hurt. Uh, they're talking now about alternating quarterbacks right. with the two young. Yeah, Will Levis and uh, Malik in, Willis, right? In in their next game, uh, I mean, it's it's hard for me to take that seriously. Although I have a great deal of respect for Mike Grable as a head coach. I don't know. It worked I, fine I for Sean Moore and Tommy Maddox, right? Right? Yeah, yeah, Get it? Yeah, that worked beautifully. <laughs> uh, so did Staubach and Craig Morton with the Dallas <laughs> Cowboys in 71. And when Tom Landry came to his senses and stopped alternating them, the Cowboys went on and won the Super Bowl and basically didn't lose another game once he settled on Staubach uh, over Craig Morton. But uh, you, you look all over the league and – you know, it, it. We mentioned the other day, twenty of the thirty-two teams are four and three or worse. But you, know, you do the math: fourteen teams make the playoffs, right? So at least two of those twenty teams mm-hmm. have to be thinking maybe we could still sneak in. But you probably one of them be... is not the Tennessee Titans, by the way, right? Uh, who have won only a couple of games. And I would certainly hope that even the people out at Dove Valley inflated sense of themselves and their own players that they have have to know that you're dead last in the second worst division in the NFL based on collective point differential. And how about that? Who thought that was going to be the case? And it's hard to be worse than the NFC South, but the AFC West comes close, right? And they're last in a division with no winning teams, save for the team that will 
uh, route them on Sunday. Handily win, yes. Yeah. Uh, And so we're sitting here speculating on what they they might do. I I just don't think they're going to do that much of anything. I, I do think they've decided on Russell Wilson. At least by the end of the season, they know what they're going to do, yes. and that is release him. And you know, if they have to pay uh, the dead money hit all at once, they'll they'll do it. Yeah, they'll you do. Know, it. They can afford to do that. Uh, but it's it's going to handicap them in rebuilding the team, and that's assuming that they really are on top of things in the first place, which I'm not sure they that's, are. See, that's the next There's question. No one in charge over there, a head coach, even Bill Belichick at this point in his career, can't have total responsibility and complete authority over every aspect of the football operation. It's too complex. Do the Broncos... Even Andy Reid relies on a general manager and has a good working relationship with him. Now, does Andy Reid have probably a little more authority and final say in certain... ways yes certainly but he isn't doing the legwork and i here it legwork is defined by answering the phone call that you get from another team asking about one of your players and you saying well i'll, I'll get back to you as soon as i check with my head coach yeah that's that's and that's really the situation for the broncos and keep in mind you've heard names bandied about you know albert Breer had a Story in Sports Illustrated talking about the the Broncos, <laughs> who they would discuss. Right? Yeah, definitely not call anybody about, but worse, oh, yeah, but right. wink, wink, nod, nod. Were someone to call them and happen to bring yeah. up these names, apparently <laughs> they might not hang up the phone in a in a huff like some right. episode of Mad Men. Okay, yeah. well we, here's here's the tricks. Now, they talked about seven players. Two of uh, them. I didn't even open their contract details because it doesn't matter. If you wanted Justin Simmons or you wanted Pat Sertan, that's because they're really good players and you'll just deal with the contracts. Here's the problems with the other. Jerry Judy, of course, has one more year on his deal for $13 million. Now, it's one more year, so I can envision there are teams that will want Jerry Judy because they figure, okay, we have one year. We liked him out of college. Definitely see the talent. Maybe the Broncos are just a screw-up of an organization, yeah. and we can fix him. And, of course, if there's one thing, there's always teams that overvalue. There's always a couple teams that have to go, well, we can fix him. That's the other the flip yeah, side. And so, maybe the Carolina Panthers right. who are a team uh, other than Arizona, the only two teams with records worse than the Broncos, mm-hmm. right? And Arizona's playing hard anyway. And, well, yeah, because they, they don't. Get, they don't it, get to keep their pick. Until they get Kyler Murray back, you can't evaluate. They don't get to keep their pick. They're not tanking. Right. Uh, that goes right. to the Bears. Right. So, Jerry but, Judy's case, look, well, someone. Carolina, Carolina, you're talking I'm about. I'm pardon. Car- you're pardon me. Carolina. Not you're Arizona. Right. It's Carolina. Carolina. Now, I, I'm thinking that for exactly that reason. Carolina might look at Jerry Judy and say, you know, Bryce Young never played with them, but they both went to Alabama. And they, you know, we need to give Bryce Young all the help he And we're get. not up against the cap by any stretch because they're in the middle of a rebuild that they knew they were in a rebuild, right. which I'm not sure the Broncos know they're in a right. rebuild. But I could see them maybe. Th- there are teams that would want Jerry Judy because. Now, they're not going to give you a first-round pick because no, they don't have but it, their own first-round But first at least they would, they would make you a trade, right? They would, they're, they're, 
I think that maybe Judy maybe. will get interest. Will he get what the Broncos want? No, but he has one more year left at 13, and that's why I think right. teams could say, look, we'll try one year. If it doesn't yeah. work, he's a free agent. It doesn't cost agent. us anything. Right. But we're not going to give you something crazy for it for that exact same reason. We'd have to give him a contract extension. That's right. Even if Jerry Judy was having a good year, you wouldn't get that. The only way that would have worked is if he was having a knockout year and one of the Super Bowl contenders might say, okay, we're going to less need bleep those picks and, mm-hmm. and, and make a trade. But that didn't happen. Cortland Sutton has two more years remaining on his deal at 17 per. So you might have liked his one-handed touchdown catch, but you're going to look over the rest of it and look at the Broncos and go, we might like to try Cortland Sutton. Maybe we think he's back. And then you look at his contract. You want to pay him 35 for the next two years? Not unless we're giving you like a sixth, maybe. That's the problem. Um, Alex Singleton was not mentioned. Josie Jewell was. Let me explain why that is. Yeah, Josie I've Jules. seen Josie Jewell mentioned yeah. in a few You know places. why? Josie Jewell's a free agent after the year. Yeah. So, yeah, you yeah. Could, whatever, right? If it doesn't work out for you, uh, we let him go. But you don't hear Alex Singleton mentioned. You know why? Because he's got another seven and a half due next year. And teams already had a chance to go get Alex Singleton when he hit free agency after the Eagles. Where are the Eagles? Are they good again? I forgot. Again, when great teams let guys go via free agency, you probably should wonder if you really think they're the guys to get you to the title when the teams that were at that cusp decided they weren't. Anyway, I digress. But Alex Singleton isn't being discussed, and that's why. If anyone wanted him, they could have had him before. Now you're probably not going to want to trade for him and pay him $7.5 million. Josie Jewell, you'd pay for half a year. All right, why not? But you think the Broncos are going to get much for that? No. And then the last name handed out by Breer, which is maybe the funniest one of all, is Garrett Bowles. Let me explain, ladies and gentlemen... Garrett Bowles, okay, let's, let me see. No, let me be nice. Let me be nice about this. Okay, uh, pro, he only has one more year left in his contract after this one. Yeah. At pro. Uh, con, if you, yeah. pick him, if you pick him up right now, you're going to owe him $30 million for a year and a half. Who in their right mind is going to do that? Look, if Trent Williams was out for the season, and we've seen what happens to the 49ers when they don't have Trent Williams, or even if they don't have Trent Williams at 100%. The Broncos wouldn't even be able to trade him to the Niners, even if they could make the money work, for more than a sixth. Garrett Bowles is not being traded. And unlike a lot of the other guys on the list, I mean, I guess you could move on with the dead cat money. For Bowles, the dead cat money is going to be $4 million. Um, Spoiler alert, that's what's happening in the offseason because they won't trade him, but they will waive him and take the $4 million dead cap hit and not pay him 20 in cash. So, um, you know, whatever. I kind of like, I, I would say I don't like spoiling things for people, and I try not to do it with movies and TV shows, but when it comes to free agency and sports teams, I actually love doing it because, you know, helping you out. Broncos are going to waive Garrett Bowles. They're going to cut him, and they're going to save that money. No one in their right mind is going to trade for Garrett Bowles. Nobody. 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 And on top of that, what's your plan? If you really believe in Jared Stidham, and then you're going to move on from Garrett Bowles, who's starting for Garrett Bowles on an O-line that already looks, let's say, Cam Fleming. par at pass blocking? You might as well leave Russell Wilson out there. Oh, wait, you can't, because if he gets hurt, the guarantee gets extended. Right. And so, he's already guaranteed for next year. You'd be talking about see, 2025. And that's the, that's the trick, Sandy, when you hear the Broncos, oh, well, we don't call We don't call anybody. We're not looking to trade. No. But reportedly, we pick up the phone on certain players. Garrett Bowles, 
There's 31 other GMs that are laughing, going like, ain't none of us going to call on Garrett Bowles, and it was never going to happen. The only people that would have ever let Albert Breer know that Garrett Bowles might be available in the trade is the team that would like to get rid of Garrett Bowles because there's no team that wants to get Garrett Bowles. The Broncos leak that. They're telling the whole league through the media who they would very much like you to take off their hands. Yes. That's all it is. The question is they understand what they're going to get because we just explained why they won't get anything of value for those guys. Simmons and Sertan, sure. The New York football giants are in a market where you basically can never say, especially, I'll put it this way, especially after you've made the playoffs the year before, you can't say after seven weeks, we're throwing in the towel. We're throwing in the towel. That's a tough one. Unless you're winless, I guess. But but, but they aren't. And they actually won their last game. So that provides a little bit of hope and, uh, even Brian Dable, who's normally fairly clear in his declarations, he's gone from saying whenever Daniel Jones is healthy enough to play, he's the quarterback. Then right after the game the other day, when Tyrod Taylor played better than Daniel Jones has played in any game this year, even though the Giants only scored 14 points, he said, well, you know, kind of equivocated on that and said, no, oh, Tyrod did a great job today. Played great. Played great. Keep in uh, and, and now, Dable wasn't that thrill with Taylor when he messed up the end of the first half in Buffalo. Right. The previous, what was it, Monday night, Sunday night? I forget now. But anyway, but then having said that, he got questioned, well, whoa, what exactly are you saying here? And he went back knowing he had to. Daniel Jones will be our quarterback. Nothing to see here. Once he is healthy, he'll be our guy. Well, the Giants have something to say about determining when he's healthy. Right. And they can say, well, he's 95%, but we want him 100%. So we're going to keep playing Tyrod Taylor until he's 100%. He may never be 100%. So it, teams play these games all the time. But the reason I bring up the Giants is this. Well, there'll be two games out of the top wild card spot. That's it. And they have a left tackle who's outstanding, Andrew Thomas, who's been out with one of those, I, I think it's a hamstring, but if it's not, it's a lingering kind of injury. I thought the hamstrings were just, I that, thought the Broncos had a trademark no, on no, hamstring No, no, they, they don't? don't? Oh, okay. You, you can check on that okay. with Andrew Thomas. But it, it, it oh, seems to me, as I recall, that, that he has one of those injuries that can kind of linger. Well, he hasn't come back to lineup since leaving a few weeks back. And they were signing people off the living room couch. Right. Literally, because they were so shorthanded on the offensive line. So if the Giants didn't have to pay Garrett Bowles, let's just say in some faraway world that was the case, and they weren't sure about Andrew Thomas coming back this year, they might take Garrett Bowles if they didn't have to pay him. <laughs> but and to your point, they'll, they'll have to pay him. And, uh, you know. and Andrew Thomas will be healthy probably at some point this year. And so whatever they've given up 
for Garrett Bowles will be essentially a waste. And the Giants, even this year, are thinking, you know, last year maybe we were ahead of schedule a little bit, and this year there's a regression to the mean. And we're playing, even though we can't say this publicly, we're playing for 25, 26, or 24, 25, 26, and beyond. And Garrett Bowles would never be a part of our plans under any scenario. Now the Broncos, I guess, could do uh, make a deal like they did with Randy Gregory and eat ten million dollars to send him to the Niners. Good. It would all do that. of a sudden he looked pretty yeah. good. Uh, by the way, but Brian, I don't Brian think Dable, Williams is going to be out forever. No, either. Brian yeah, Dable today, by the way, literally today, yeah, and uh, said that Andrew Thomas returned to practice at least a limited capacity this week. Limited, okay, okay. with the hamstring yeah. injury, he hasn't yeah. played since week one. It but, is a hamstring, but okay. returning in a limited capacity, which he hadn't even done since the prior to the week four game. But also said, to your point, yeah, Daniel Jones, quote, same as he was last week, quote, he's feeling better, and when the doctors tell me he's cleared, yeah. then he's cleared. Yeah. Well, there might be a message sent to those doctors. Don't be in a hurry. Don't be in a hurry. Right. Don't rush it. Don't rush to judgment on his readiness. We only want him back when he's 100%. Right. 100 And. No NFL player after the this season time starts. Of year, no. After the season begins, is ever totally one hundred percent right? Right. Um, guys play. Guys play hurt, and they even play with injuries. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's interesting. Well. Uh, when they say it's up to the player, it's a player they really want to come back because all players uh, want to play, right? right? Players want to play. If they say it's up to the doctors, they're not in any rush right. to get that. Player. And if that player gets hurt, you'll often hear the same thing. Well, you know, he really wanted to get back on the field, and we wanted to do right by the player. And we tried to talk him out of it, but yeah, he we insisted. tried to talk him out of it. You know how it goes. It it will be a well. I mean, I can tell you already what'll happen on Sunday. Doctors do strange. still in the NFL exactly what the team is. It, is it, we, we still call them team doctors, right? They're employed by the team. Yeah. Just checking. The Colorado Avalanche have set a new NHL record with road wins uh, spanning over the course of the two seasons. Of course, the record they broke also spanned that. They go for another one tonight. We'll touch base with the Avalanche as I mix my sports metaphors next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. The Colorado Avalanche will have Alexander Georgiev in net against Pittsburgh tonight. Keep him going for the seventh consecutive start. Of course, they haven't had a back-to-back game yet and won't on back-to-back nights until late next month. So Georgiev back in there with an opportunity to uh, extend his record streak. He, by the way, 6-0 and to start the season. Has an opportunity to extend that for an Avalanche best seventh. I think he's looked a little wobblier in yes. recent games, although certainly two. fatigue wouldn't really have anything oh, I don't to do with think it. so, and probably the Avs don't think so either, and there's been some distance uh, 
between games, so it, it's not as if he's had to play, you know, four games and six nights for any stretch so far this year. Uh, he he wasn't sharp the other night. I went back and uh, I had not watched the game from start to finish, but I went back and looked at uh, a good portion of the game, and um, especially the last goal was was bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last goal he gave up. Now, uh, the Avalanche can win in different ways, uh, as they've already demonstrated. They can they can hold you down. Uh, what was the game? San Jose two one game in overtime. Yeah, uh, they won their last two games against two pretty good teams and certainly Sorokin is regarded as a top level goaltender uh, for the Islanders by scoring six goals against Carolina and seven against the Islanders and Sorokin the other night. They obviously didn't get all seven against uh, Sorokin. They only got five, but still five was enough to win. Um, One was an empty net goal and the other was kind of put into the empty net by the Islanders and uh, Colton got credit uh, for the goal. Overall numbers, 6-0. and Can't be better than that. 1.98 goals against. Can't be too much better than that. No. 930 save percentage. You could certainly live with that. Now, it's come down, but again, he wasn't going to have a save percentage of 950 or 960 all year. So, it, it, it's regressed some in the last two games, but he, he's still doing a good job. And they have five, count them, five skaters averaging at least a point per game. And they have several others who have five points in six games or four points in six games, which you can see. Yeah. And they, oh, they have Logan O'Connor has three shorthanded right. goals in six games. Uh, scoring is deep to to be sure for this team. I mean, they are getting it up and down all their lines, and and those lines keep getting mixed matched. And you know, tonight is an in, an interesting little bit of trivia to it. For the first time since 1978, October 15th to be precise, in this game are six players who have had Stanley Cup clinching goals. Really, six. that's interesting. Now you know the Abs too. Of uh, uh, now. Of course, one wasn't even on the abs at the time, but Ross Colton, yeah, new addition, That's right. and Arturi Lekkinen. Yes, but, uh, four of the abs. Jeff Carter back in 2012, Chris Letang in 2016, yep. Lars Eller in 2018, and Riley With Smith. Washington, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you're yeah. talking about six guys, uh, maybe not quite as much of a, a murderer's row, at least there's some of these guys aren't as that far in their career, but that 1978 game, uh, you had Yvonne Cornoyer, Rick McLeish, yeah. Bob Kelly, and then Guy Lafleur, Jacques Lemaire, and Mario Tremblay all in uh, a single game back in 1978 when it was Canadians and the Flyers. Yeah. But this is the first time since then. Six guys with cup-clinching goals. That's kind of remarkable. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, The last road loss by the Avalanche, you may remember this game. And I did once. I have to think back. Yeah, I have to think about it. It's been a while. Remember a Saturday afternoon in Dallas, March 4th? They got scrambled by the Dallas Stars. Oh, seven to three. Yeah, remember that game? I do remember that one. That was, that was the last one out disaster. That That's since? literally the last wow. road game they lost. Uh, they have won, as uh, you've said, 15 straight on the road. Uh, the collective uh, goal differential 
is plus 33, 70 goals scored, 37 given up. Only two of the wins have come in overtime and two more have come in shootouts. So it isn't as if they've been uh, hanging on, barely beating teams. Uh, Just quickly, I'll give you the scores. Uh, 8-4, 2-1 in a shootout, 5-4, 5-1, 4-3, 5-1, in overtime, 6-2, 4-3, 5-4 in overtime, 4-3, 5-2, 2-1 in a shootout, 4-1, That gets you to 70 goals in the 15 games. You'll take that average anytime. And 37 goals against in 15 games, also something below three goals per game that you'll take any time, well below three goals per game. Um, the other night, uh, Bednar, I think because of the nature of the game, and he saw that it was a game that you need to score a lot of goals to win, he rode his top two lines hard. Uh, McKinnon centering Lekkonen and Nashushkin, Johansson, who was terrific, centering Tatar and Rantanen, who was – one goal, three assists, four points, ho-hum, plus two. <laughs> Played 20 minutes, 46 seconds. Best player on the ice. Not as much reliance on the third and fourth lines, although Colton had a goal. Um, Colton played 11-29, Wood played 10-17, Duran played 10-32. But all were plus one for the night, third line. You know, that's that's fine. One goal, plus one across the board. Um, Olafson centering Cagliano and O'Connor, all plus minus at zero. Uh, Cagliano, 9.50. Uh, Olafson, 11.06. And Connor only, O'Connor, only 8.46 uh, in the game. Uh, he also rode his top two uh, defense tandems. And Byram had his best game of the year. That was the good yeah, news. The that, best news true. out of the game the other night that Byram was sensational. That was, was his best uh, game. Scored a goal, plus two, 19 minutes, 46 seconds. So he wasn't in the doghouse because Bednar doesn't have a doghouse. Right. Doghouse is a stupid term anyway. But modern-day coaches don't have doghouses, okay? If you play well, you'll play. If you play poorly, your minutes will get cut. Uh Byram's minutes right back up to 1946. Uh, Gerard plus one, 2147. And, of course, the top pairing was out of this world. Taves against his former mates, one assist, plus one, 2252. McCarr, again, ho-hum, another magical Kale McCarr goal, along with two assists, three points, plus one, 24 minutes, 39 seconds. Um, Jack Johnson minus one, 1250. And uh, Josh Manson, plus two, 13 minutes, 51 seconds. Uh, Johnson wasn't great, but he didn't play a lot. Uh, Georgiev was not great. Um, faced 32 shots, made 28 saves on the 32 shots. But, you know, I'm looking here at, at their schedule essentially over the next month or so, a little less than a month. And they'll be tested here and there. They've got Las Vegas at Las Vegas. And they've got a road game at Dallas. Wouldn't that be something? If they win tonight, they win in Buffalo, they win in Las Vegas, 
they win in Seattle and they go back to Dallas on November 18th with like, what would it be? 20 yeah. road wins playing the last team to beat them on the road and a team they have not played since on the road during this streak. Uh, that would be interesting. I, I suspect they won't continue the streak for that much longer. Hey, it may well end tonight and it may well end when the backup goaltender plays. Yeah. Postmatov, which I thought might've uh, happened tonight. It's which not. I, I would think might happen in Buffalo. Yes. That's my guess. Almost how it certainly because has to happen in Buffalo. I think that's an afternoon. The Avs need to play him to see what they've got, to see if they need to improve at that position anyway. We'll find out. Goaltenders better get ready. The Avs put the most shots on net in the league on average. Number two, it's Pittsburgh. So uh, expect the puck to be flying. We'll keep an eye on it during the program here. Uh, very well could be. These guys shoot the puck a lot. Puck drops in just a couple of minutes uh, back in the Steel City. We'll keep an eye on that, but we'll t- turn our attention back to the Denver Broncos, our friend Chris Thomason from the Denver Gazette was out at Dove Valley today. We'll let you know what he heard next on My Life Sports. <laughs> 